Today's lesson is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. So let's pray. Lord, we ask your blessing of your word to our hearts and to our lives today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, let's look uh, back up a little bit and just to connect it. Uh, let's begin at verse 14. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, whose purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. So we talked about last our last lesson, the dividing wall of hostility, uh, this hedge, this fence, and this wall may be referring to the wall in the temple courts, but the point is, it stands for the law, the Mosaic law, which became that dividing wall between Jew and Gentile, that wall of separation. And Paul says that uh, he has uh, destroyed that wall to create in himself. I want to keep this thought between here and the rest of chapter 3, this important thought of one new man, one new humanity, as I mentioned last week, uh, a race that is raceless, if you will, uh, this new people of God, the church, the body of Christ, thus making theme here, as we'll see this three times, this word peace. So today's verses 16 and 17. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. So we're going to stop right there. And we've been talking about reconciliation with God. And so uh, in our last lesson, we, we focused on the reconciliation between Jew and Gentile and the abolishment of the Mosaic Law that created that space for God to create. And we looked at that word create again, only something that God does. He created this new humanity, uh, the, this new body of believers, the church, the body of Christ. So he says in this one body, referring to this corporate body, which is united to Christ. Now, in this, where he says here in verse 17, he came and preached, uh, or excuse me, 16, where he says that, uh, and in this one body, I want to suggest to you that the one body here is the body of Christ. It, some have suggested it's created, it's referring to Christ's physical body. In that case, he probably would have used a, 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 a the or a his body or his body of flesh. But in the context of Ephesians 2 and 3, I think we're going to see that this body is this new corporate body, the church, the body of Christ, which is Christ's body, but it's the church, the body of Christ today. This is a new body that he has created in himself. Um, and so you'll notice also it says, so before the emphasis was on the reconciliation to one another between Jew and Gentile. And today we could say, between all ethnicities, all races, as we looked at in Galatians, you know, there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile, male nor female. Um, this one body has this equality of everybody coming freely through simple grace in Christ. That was the emphasis in those verses 14 and 15. Today, I want to suggest to you that now this hostility that is broken down and the reconciliation is to God. Jew and Gentile together to God. We are reconciled to God. Reconciliation. This is the key phrase here for today. Let's look at that again. And in this one body to reconcile both of them, that is Jew and Gentile, to God. So I just want to make that point that the reconciliation focus here is 
to God. And of course, this is simultaneous. We are reconciled to one another when we are reconciled to God. So it takes place together. But this is the focus here. This is another, uh, we've seen this before in one of our earlier lessons. Now, this is another one of those uniquely Pauline terms. And he sort of creates this term. We all do this. We have little uh, sayings or quips or words we kind of create, uh, sometimes unique to us for whatever reason. Uh, in this case, it's, it's an interesting, for those of you who like uh, word studies, you may want to look into this. There's, there's two prefixes connected to the root word here. And, uh, but the only other place that, the only other place that this is used, and it's not used in any Greek literature, and it's only here in the New Testament. That's why we say it's kind of a Pauline kind of, uh, Paul's kind of stretching to, to create this word to express this strong thought. The only other place you're going to see this word is in Colossians. I mentioned to you in our last lesson that it would be good for you to take a little bit of time and just read Colossians 1 uh, through chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 and connect some of these thoughts from Colossians to Ephesians because they are so similar. But in Colossians uh, chapter 1 and uh, looking at uh, verse 19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, of course that's Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Now notice that eventually to reconcile all things to himself by making peace, there is again this, this key thought with the Ephesians, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now... He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. And so it's uh, in both both in 20 and 22, this word reconciles is this the only, only other place that you're going to find this unique word that Paul uses uh, in Ephesians as well. So I just want to point that out to you, this reconciliation. Reconciliation is such an important part of uh, our, our understanding of our grace, our salvation that God has given us. We've been reconciled to each other, and, it's, and that's true today. All of us as believers in Christ have been reconciled to one another because we have been reconciled together to God. Now, the word reconciliation really has, so what does the word mean? So the word means, the basic idea is to transfer from one state to another. Uh, to, you know, if, if two parties are at, are at odds with each other, and uh, can't and can't come to a, a, a reconciliation, right? We try to transfer that state to where they are reconciled, where they come to oneness, to where those two disagreements can find that balance and they can be reconciled to one another. Now, in this case, I think it's worth pointing out that the need is on our part. The need is not on God's part. It's a little different than two equal partners needing to be reconciled. Uh, we are the ones who need to be reconciled. God is the one who does the reconciling. I think that's a clear biblical uh, principle. And we see that in the Old Testament as well. God is the one who does the choosing of people. It is the greater to a lesser. He has the grace to give, and humanity are the ones in need of his grace. So it's important that when we talk about being transferred from one state to another, it's, it's us to God. Be reconciled, us to God. Again, we'll look at go back to Ephesians, to the passage we're looking at today, where Paul says that, uh, and in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God. I think in this one body of Christ that we are now part of, we have been reconciled, we have been transferred from one state to another 
of reconciliation, both of them to God through the cross. So the sphere of this location, again, we have this language, I, I say the word sphere, we have this idea of where it takes place. It's in Christ again. Now this, in this case, the phrase in Christ isn't used, but uh, we know the context here is that in, in verse 15, his purpose was to create in, in himself that is in him, in Christ. And so this thought continues. And in this one body to reconcile them both to God through the cross. So the, the cross is, the, is the, the source of reconciliation. It's the power of reconciliation, the cross and the resurrection where sins were paid for. It's in Christ. So the sphere of our reconciliation, the place it takes place, is in Christ. And hence we are the body of Christ. We are in him, the church, the body of Christ. <clears throat> it can also be noted here that uh, we have this idea of this hostility being killed again. And I want to suggest to you the possibility that maybe here the hostility that is killed, we've already talked about the hostility between Jew and Gentile because of the barrier there. There's also this hostility between God and humanity because of God's righteousness and justice upon sin. We know that in Romans it says, what well, we have now we have peace with God. And so um, this idea that the hostility here might be the hostility between us and God, God has killed that as well or destroyed that through the cross, uh, on the, uh, through Jesus Christ himself on the cross of Calvary, the, the, the option to have that hostility removed between us and God. So I think it's just something to think about here that the hostility with Jew and Gentile has already been addressed. And now we have maybe the hostility with God that is addressed. You can think about that. Verse 17, we have a very interesting uh, thought here. He, that would have to be Jesus Christ, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. In our next lesson, we'll continue this thought. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So I'd like to just talk for a minute in our closing today, this idea of preaching peace to those who are far off, to those who are near. Now, I think in the context, it's pretty obvious that the far off would be the Gentiles. Those who were far off or away from God, those who were near to God would be the Jews. The Jews were in a covenant relationship. They were the chosen people, uh, the apple of his eye, as he says in the prophets. And so those, the Jewish nation, the, the, the ethnic Jew, Jewish nation, were those who were near to God. And we talked about that, like uh, he talks about the, the things that they had. And we pointed out in Romans, uh, in Romans as well, chapter 9, where it talks about all the advantages the Jews had, the covenants and the promises and the patriarchs. They were the ones who were near to God. Isn't it interesting that he, he speaks to the Gentiles first, if that means anything. He says, those of you who are far off and those of you who are near, not the other way around. It's kind of interesting. In this particular church at Ephesus, it may have been more Gentile than Jew, he mentions that first. You were far off and those were near. And he preached, he preached peace to both of them. So those who were, who were far away would be the Gentiles. Those who were near would be the Jews. He came and he preached peace to both of them. Now I have a question for you. I'd like you to contemplate for future study. We're going to come back to this in chapter 3. And we're going to spend some time on this because this it really connects. But I'd just like to ask you a question. When did Jesus 
preached peace, especially to those who were far off. We know in the Gospels, for example, in Matthew chapter 10, or in, uh, in Matthew, yeah, in Matthew, we know that uh, when he went to, uh, he sent his disciples out, verses 5 to 7, he specifically said, do not go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans. Go only to the house of Israel and do these miracles. He specifically told his disciples that. And then himself, when a, when a woman came to him who was Gentile, begging for his help, and remember he said, uh, you know, I have only come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she begged him more, and then he proclaimed her faith. But she was the exception. He flat out said, I have come to preach to the house of Israel. And I think that's because he came uh, and he did he did talk to Gentiles, and Gentiles did come to him and had faith. But his primary mission as the Messiah, as the Savior, to fulfill God's word and God's plan, he came as the Messiah to Israel, and he died and rose again in that role as the, the, the Messiah, the one who was proclaimed, you know, the, as, we, as we celebrated Christmas time, uh, the coming Messiah, the King of Israel. And was rejected. And in early Acts, uh, we'll talk more about that, the offer was given and rejected again. So when did Jesus preach to the Gentiles and offer them peace? I'd like you to hold that thought, if you can, for a little while, because we're going to come back to that in chapter 3 and try to pull these strings together. But I just want to make that note here. It is interesting. I, he preached peace to you who were far away and to you who were near. Paul doesn't say, incidentally, Paul doesn't say to us who are near. You notice that? Uh, even though Paul is a Jew, and he was the one called in, in, in Acts chapter 9, when Ananias uh, was, was told, he is my chosen vessel to go to the Gentile nations and Israel to proclaim uh, salvation, to proclaim the gospel. Paul doesn't say to you who are far and to, and, and, and to us who are near, but he says here, he was sent to you who are far away and peace to those, those who were near. So let's hold some of these thoughts and we're going to come back to that. So for today, I just want to conclude with, in thinking of this last two lessons, the uniqueness of the church, the body of Christ. I just want to remind you again, we are a, a new race that is raceless. And that today we have the opportunity to demonstrate to the, word of, to the world God's grace. We are that entity today. That just as when this message to, to the Ephesians, that you know, hostility and differences have been removed. Likewise today, we are unique people of God, of all races, all ethnicities, all nations, locations around the world. And even in, with, with our cultural differences and the things that come with those, those various uh, cultural backgrounds and differences, and yet... We can go anywhere in the world, and if we are with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a oneness. We are one in Christ, and there's no hostility. And we together proclaim God's grace. We are example. Of, we are the body of Christ worldwide today, and we should never forget that. And that's why we talk about the unity and the essentials. As we go through this next chapter, there may be some things that you may disagree with, and we may have some differences on. But in, when it comes to the essentials of the Christian faith, we have unity. And we are a very unique people of God that we have the privilege of being God's representatives of his grace and mercy. Where you are today, right now, to have that uh, wonderful blessing and that privilege. So we'll continue this uh, tomorrow on our next lesson. Thank you for joining us.